Welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And uh, we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at impactatamazinglove at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to AmazingLove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Thank you. Friends at Amazing Love, I invite you, let's just pray together. Ask God to bless the preaching of the word. We pray. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Lord, we pray that you would give to us what we cannot give to ourselves and, and do a work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to Amazing Love. Good to see everyone. Are we ready for a good day? I believe God is alive. I believe God is good. I believe he can do a work in your life because he is the great I am. He is the one who was and is and is to come. He is everything that you want him to be, everything you, you need him to be, and he's much more than you can possibly imagine. That's who we've come to meditate on. And it's good to be here because there's a lot of drama in life. You know what I'm saying? There is just a ton of drama. To give you an example, I'm on Facebook every now and then, but, but, but have you ever had to just break from Facebook? Has anyone ever taken a break from Facebook? It could be two minutes, two hours, two months, you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes you like the opinions of others, but sometimes it's, it's way too pointed of their opinions, and you just can't handle the drama. I was on Facebook, and I saw this post. I, I thought it, it got it right. It's like, make Facebook fun again. Love, love the rule that says, if you can't be nice, be quiet, right? Um, make me laugh right? Because there's so much drama. A little bit of my life, I like to turn on GMA or the Today Show sometimes, but there's so much drama in the news, like, I can't handle it. There's something that incites inside of me where I'm like, no, Sports Center, right? And sometimes it's even like this fear in conversations, like, I don't even, yeah, I, get, I get a little bit trepidation bringing up any conversation because in our society that's praised for its tolerance, it seems like we're intolerant of about any and everything, so where do I even go? Weird. And it's not just that there's drama in, in, in different, you know, people and circumstances. It, it, it's different, you know, um, interactions with, with people. Um, you, you know, you can have drama with almost anyone, can't you? You, you, can, you can have classmate drama, right? Right, kids? You can have coworker drama. You can have teacher drama. Uh, you can have spouse drama. You can have um, mama drama. I mean, they, they all work. They're all in there. I, I have so much drama. I have drama with our cat. I kid you not. And, and you're saying you should have gotten a dog, and I know I should have got a dog. I was thinking low maintenance. That's the only reason we got a cat, so we could go on vacation, okay? And this cat I chose, and it has not chosen me back, right? It has gotten so bad that every time I want to pet it and pick it up, this is what it does. He's just hiding. That, that's a picture of He-Man hiding from the one who chose him. Don't even let me pick him up. But the drama's real, right? We can't escape it as much as we'd like to. And it goes on and on and on and on. In fact, when you leave this place, you have to go back into it. There's drama. But that is why it's so good to be here. Because in these brief moments, we get to escape everything that has dragged us down and consider the one who can finally lift us up and get us past the drama. 
And that's what we're talking about in this series, Glory Days, and I just wanted to welcome you once again. See, we believe that the solution for having better days is not something found in us, but something that is found in God, and that's where we're shifting our attention towards. In fact, I learned a little bit about how to handle drama by, by watching the Apostle Paul. I've been considering his prayer life in the New Testament. And what is interesting about Paul, maybe you've heard of Paul, um, is, is what he prayed for. It's interesting, you never have Paul praying for earthly circumstances to change. In the Word of God, you never see him praying that God would bless a surgery. Not that that's sinful. You never see him praying for God to increase someone's money. You, you never see him praying that, that, that God would, you know, let the persecution stop or, or make the drama cease with people. He's often, check it out, just praying that people would know God. Let me share with you just one of his prayers. Uh, this is what he said to, to people who are having drama in Ephesus. And drama in Ephesus was solved by this. He said, I keep on asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So what? So you may get the job. So you may get everything you want. So that you'll finally be healthy. You'll get the man or girl of your dreams. You'll get into the school. You'll get the promotion. It'll finally be good financially. No! I'm just praying you might know God. That's it. See, I think Paul is convinced of this series that we're convinced of, that if, if we just look to God a little bit more, maybe just by that very act, God can do a work in our lives as we look less to ourselves. And so this is what I believe about peace and a lack of drama. I think it isn't really about our circumstances as much as our certainty in Christ. I can't change your circumstances, and you might have even been in circumstances where you've, you've begged for God to change them, and he didn't. And maybe he was teaching you. It isn't about a change of circumstance. Is it about your certainty in who I am and what I can do through you? That's what we consider. So let's get into our lesson for today. And um, as we turn there, it's, it's um, the lesson of Jesus' transfiguration. And we've never had a transfiguration Sunday. I grew up with transfiguration Sundays. Um, but, but this is our day in the sun. And uh, transfiguration just means, it's a fancy way of saying transform. It's, it's where we get the word metamorphosis from. I don't know if you ever heard that, that word. Um, and, and, and so what we see in, in this section is that Jesus is actually escaping his drama. Jesus is going in, in, into solitude, time by himself, just to meet with his father. And I just think if Jesus, the sinless son of God, was known for having that as part of his spiritual routine, how much more shouldn't solitude and consideration be part of our routine? How, how much more shouldn't we escape everything and come here and just be and meet with the Lord on the regular? And the drama he was facing, the drama what was imminent was his crucifixion, his death, his betrayal, all that was going to happen that we consider in his passion. It's like, I need to get away. I need to step outside. And we're going to step outside with him. We're going to see what happens on a mountain. Let's turn now to Matthew chapter 17 as Jesus is transfigured. You can follow in your worship folders or you can follow here. It says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, John, the brother of James, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. Again, he was in solitude. They were escaping. There he was transfigured. He changed before them. His face shone like the sun. I wonder what that was like, right? Be incredible. His clothes became as white as light. And just then appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. 
Peter's like, I don't want to leave this place. Let's just camp out here. It's a good moment, Lord. I don't want to leave. Let's go. Let's camp. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, which is the appearance of the glory of God. The reason we have the, the picture glory days with a cloud is that is so commonly his picture of glory. Just a cloud. Just a cloud. Well, this is the Father. And the Father, a voice from the cloud, said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one but Jesus. I love the tenderness of Jesus there. They're, 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 they're out of their wits. They're terrified. And, and Jesus says, no, j- j- just, just look at me. And I, I can't preach a whole sermon on this, but isn't this the gospel? People who are so terrified by the enormity of God. And Jesus just comes and says, no, no, no. Just look at me. Just look at me. Well, Jesus glows, and we're going to learn how we can glow like him. May God bless that discussion, okay? We're going to dig in. In fact, can you just turn to your neighbor and just tell him uh, less of me and more of him? Can you just say that? Less of me, more of him. Love to get you going. Less of me, more of him. Less of you, more of him. Have you ever looked at people and selected the attributes you just wanted to focus on? Have you ever had selective attention when it comes to what people were like? Usually this can happen when you're dating. When we are dating, maybe it's because we just want to really be with someone, or maybe this has ever happened to you, that you just select the certain things that you want to see in that person. And so you see in that individual, they may dress well, they have a nice car, they have a bit of charm. But then you bring them home to mom and dad. And what you learn about mom and dad is they're not as selective as you might were, might be, right? Mom picks up on on the tone of voice. Dad picks up on a whole lot of other things. And they see him for who he is, right? Well, if you don't select people, sometimes I think with people we want to edit them. You know, the people that you really know, sometimes you'd like to judiciously make some changes for them whether they want it or not. And so if you're a spouse, often you bring up, you know, um, you know, harp on certain issues in the hopes that it might change, right? In the hopes that they might be a different person. In fact, sometimes you give off the impression, you know, this would actually go better if you were more like, hmm, right? But the reason this is frustrating and, and futile is we can't change people. We might hope them to be a certain way. We might hope they will change. But the bottom line is they are going to be who they are going to be, and we can't control that. All you control freaks, I'm sorry, it's your advice. And that's why I'm always concerned whenever I hear people tell me this, I've heard a lot about you. Have you ever been concerned when someone says that? Has everyone been on the same page? Because my mind goes, from whom? Because if you're talking to my mom, now I have to convince you that I don't walk on water, right? If you're talking to my childhood friends, I have to convince you that maybe I have changed just a little bit, I hope. Right? And the reality is, I'd rather give them my version of me than them hearing another version of me from someone else. You you with me there? What we do with people is, I believe, what we also would like to do with God. See, I believe there's a God that we hope him to be. I love donuts. I hope God loves donuts. That's what heaven's about. Sounds good to me, right? There's a God we hope him to be. Maybe he's aligned with all of my political opinions. That's the God I want. Maybe he's the God who agrees with every choice I make for my morality. That's the God I hope him to be. 
God that we know of, but would like judiciously like to edit. For example, we learn from Isaiah that God is a hidden God, which means that we won't always know why he does certain things. We won't always have the like inside road of, of the activity in the world. But we, we're like hoping, God, could you let me in? <laughs> I'd like to know all your ways. You, you, you have ways that are beyond tracing out. Well, could you let me trace them anyway? <laughs> That's the God I hope for. And I guess the big concern today is, is which God are we going to accept? Our version of God or God's version of God? You know what I'm talking about? Which God are we going to um, finally come down upon? Which one would be pleasing? And, and again, if you're a Christian, this is, this is an important thing. Which one are we going to lean into? Do we want, again, our version of God or do you want God's version of God? And the answer is, we know we should take that one. So what does God then say about himself? Not the History Channel, a college professor, not a pastor. What does he say? Let's get into it. Because Jesus is on the mountain. And, and there are many versions of Jesus, even in our society as there were in that day. And the Heavenly Father confirms once and all who Jesus is. Verse 5, look what he says. Verse 5, the Father says, this is, can you just say that out loud? It is my Son. He is basically God, basically. Uh, the Father had a son. This is Jesus, whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Listen to him. So part of the reason he is glowing is because he is God's son. And this still has, I, I think, um, a lot of help for today we, the day we live in. Because there are still versions of Jesus out there. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know if you have experience talking about Jesus with others. Um, and, and there are many versions of Jesus out there. Uh, there's the urban legend Jesus, who's on a piece of toast, right? There is the urban outfitters Jesus, who is our homeboy. Um, th there is the, again, uh, college professor version of Jesus. There is definitely the History Channel version of Jesus. Uh, there's the liberal and the conservative version of Jesus. Um, there are all these uh, modus operandi of Jesus and, and what he is like. I I've heard that Jesus is a great man and teacher, like Gandhi. I've heard that Jesus is a humanitarian like Mother Teresa. I've heard that Jesus is a social reformer like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. But what is Jesus? Can, can I tell you the version of Jesus they wanted at, at, at that time? When they went out on the mountain, everyone was hoping that Jesus was an earthly king. That he was going to throw off the Roman oppression. That he was going to reign in Jerusalem, kind of like Solomon did. That they would have peace once and for all as an Israel nation. That's what they were hoping the version of Jesus would be. But Jesus is God. Jesus is the Father's Son, and yet one with the Father. He is God. He is the one who was and is and is to come. He is the one by all things were made and for all things were made. He is that one. He is God and Lord of all. Paul solved it as well when he said in Colossians, in Christ, he is the fullness of the deity. He is completely God. Based on this account and, and all the claims of God, people have said, based on what Jesus said, he is either liar, lunatic, or Lord. Um, C.S. Lewis was known of, of creating that trilemma of liar, lunatic, or Lord. And, and before C.S. Lewis was John Duncan who said this. Uh, John Duncan said, Christ has either deceived mankind by conscious pride. He is a liar. He was himself deluded and self-deceived, lunatic. Or he was divine 
Lord. There is no getting around this trilemma. Some, some people have said he is either bad, mad, or God. But he is God. We have come because we're not looking for a teacher. I don't need another teacher. I, I listen to leadership podcasts all day long. I don't need a teacher. I don't need a social example. I've got people telling me what socially is acceptable all the time. don't need another social example. I don't need another friend as much as I want a friend. You know what I need? You know what you need? A Savior and a Lord. And that's who we find on the mountain. But there's more. There's more. And to talk about this, it kind of reminds me of the award season going on. Uh, the Grammys are going on. Um, anyone going to watch the Grammys tonight? Okay, Oscars? Anyone going to watch Oscars? Because that's coming too. No one is into that, by the way. It's just, just I'm polling everyone. No one watches them. So anyway, but I'm going to continue on. If you know the award shows, um, you probably know the red carpet uh, you know, scenario. And they usually go to the big names, and they spend some time with the big names. And what I know about the red carpet is that you don't interview Hoobastank when you can interview 21 pilots, right? You don't interview um, Lisa Loeb from the past, when you, can, when you can interview Beyonce, right? You, you, you go to the ones who attract the greatest attention, the ones who are the big names, um, and, and that's true if, if, if they have like, um, you know, um, like, like big, big classic names like the Beatles or Michael Jackson. Those people get the attention. Well, go with me here. Moses and Elijah show up on this mountain, and they're only there to prove the greater greatness of, of Jesus, See, Moses and Elijah here are the Hoobastank and the Lisa Loeb to Jesus' equivalent of Beyonce, Michael Jackson, all wrapped into one. See, what, what the disciples are learning is that Moses had some authority as he brought the law of God, but, but when he brought the law, no one could keep the law. Jesus is greater because he was the keeper of that law. Elijah had some greatness because he called down fire from heaven, if you remember that story. Elijah had some greatness. He, he raised a dead boy. Jesus is greater because he is the fire from heaven, and Jesus raised himself when he himself was dead. I was listening to a commentator um, who said this. He said, They, Moses and Elijah, were witnesses and representations of the old covenant, one having given the law Moses, the other having been zealous for the law Elijah, but neither had been able to stop the transgression. But here was one greater than the law, who by his perfect fulfillment of the law would redeem those that were under the law. What we have is this knowledge that Jesus is greater, and that's why he glows. And that's what I'm still convinced of. I esteem many people in this world. I look up to, you know, the, the, the business leaders of our world and the academics of our world, and I look up to sports stars just like young boys do, but there is absolutely no one greater than Jesus. He is the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the face of this earth. There's no greater idea or person or Lord. He is it. So, gut check. What version of God have you wanted? Have you ever been guilty of wanting God to approve of a way that you know was not in his approval? Have you ever wanted to be Lord over God instead of humbling yourself under his hand in his ways and just trusting when it doesn't make sense? What I'd encourage us to repent of is pride. 
and to have the humility to accept there is a Lord and there is a God above all. It is Jesus revealed on this mountain. But the greatest thing about him is that he's our Savior. See, that's what makes him so great. It's because I didn't need a teacher or a reformer or example. I needed a Savior, and that's exactly what he did on the cross. And the greatest picture of glory is not a Grammy. It is not an Oscar. It is not the Lombardi Trophy. The greatest picture of glory is right there when Jesus laid down his life and he crushed the head of the devil and he set sinners free. We are free today. All because we have a Savior. You have peace today. You have good mojo today. You have refreshment today. All because all of your guilt and shame is washed away. You can walk out here with joy knowing God delights in you. He calls you his child, his beloved, his bride. This is the gospel of our Lord. This is what we needed Jesus to be. But now... What does it mean for our earthly lives? We know who Jesus is, but how does his glory uh, correspond to our glory? How does his glory work in our daily lives and speak to our future lives? Well, as we talk about this, I just want to make a social observation that I believe people are attracted to things that glow. Isn't that true? Bright and shiny things. Simple pleasures. In fact, I was reminded of this even um, going fishing. Has anyone ever been salmon fishing? Salmon fishing? Okay. I went recently, and, and I had fished a bunch before, and, um, and I know, like, for common fish, you use worms, and, and that'll get you your bluegill, that'll get you your, you know, trout, your perch, right? And so when it came to salmon fishing, what I was really interested was, what's the bait? Because if, if bluegill have worms, I'm thinking, like, salmon get, like, filet mignon, medium well, right? Well, I was hugely disappointed in learning what attracts salmon. All it is is a lure that glows, all it is is a simple lure that glistens. All it does is shine for a second. So here's a salmon mentality. Ooh, shiny. I'm done. Right? But we people who consider ourselves so much more sophisticated, I don't think are that much more sophisticated because we like shiny things and we're attracted to them. I mean, just consider this place. I know it's a trap, but it's shiny. <laughs> there are bells. And it glows. Wow. Right? And so if this is really the, the social paradigm that the people really are attracted to things that glow, uh, one of the things that I wanted to know then, if Jesus is glowing, which is pretty cool, how could we then glow? How, how can we be so attractive to, to the world that we live in? Well, Moses shows us the way. We read from our first lesson, when, when Moses met with God on that mountain, he came down changed. In fact, let's look again at what happened when Moses met with God. It says, when Moses came down from the mountain with two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant, only because he had met with the Lord. How awesome is that? It kind of reminds me, when I was growing up, it was cool to put these in your bedroom. And now people buy houses and they couldn't take them off of the, the, the bedroom ceiling, so you buy a house and they have those stars that were forever stuck there. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and how do those stars work? They don't glow in and of themselves. They're not like lights that they turn on. Rather, if you ever had a star that wasn't shining so brightly, you put a light right by it. You ever do this? And you, you charge it up, kind of. And then when you turn the lights off, it's going to glow really good. Because all the star does is it absorbs. It absorbs. It absorbs. 
What is the essence of how we are to glow? I believe we glow by absorbing this glow from God. That's how we're going to be lights in this world. And it's about getting around that light and it doing something in us so that we can go forward into this world. In fact, if there is a passage that speaks to this whole series and, and kind of blew my mind about this whole series, it is this um, from 2 Corinthians. It says, We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, just because we're doing that, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Spirit who is, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. All you got to do is get around that light and you might start glowing. And I need to tell you, You were meant to glow. You were meant to glow. God has created you to be different in this world. That people like those salmon would would swim up to you and be like, "How, how do you have peace today? No one else has peace. How are you able to have peace today? How are you able to forgive that? How are you able to have joy? How are you able to be so calm when it comes to the drama that's going on? You know why? Because I contemplate the glory of God. And there's something about doing that and seeing his enormity, his vastness, that changes me just by consideration. So i got to ask you, how are you going to continue to contemplate his glory? And here I would say, if, if you don't have a church home, get one. <laughs> it was God's goal for you to walk with other Christians and to contemplate this glory on the regular. How are you going to contemplate during the week? Open your Bibles. Do it again. Read and contemplate the greatness of God. How are you going to contemplate? Get in a small group where other Christians can glow with you and they can pray for you and they can share God's word with you. And so we have marriage refreshment and starting point and home small groups and and get attached to those, prioritize so you can glow together. This is God's will for you. But we end where we began. And what really struck me about this section was was the impact it made on Peter. And I wonder the drama that Peter was dealing with in his own life. Whatever the case was, he he got to this moment of, of seeing Jesus for who he was, and this is what he said. He said, it is good for us to be here. And I'll put up three shelters or tents. Like, we should just pause everything. Let's go on a hiatus, a sabbatical. I don't know what you call it, but we should just stay here because these moments are so good. You ever have a moment so good you didn't want to leave? There's a commercial about people leaving the Caribbean, and I wanted to share it with you real quick because it just, it just gives us this essence of someone who doesn't want to leave something good. Uh, here it is. It's time to bid farewell to this booking incredible island resort and its incredible island staff. I can't imagine life without them. This is not goodbye. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Okay, I guess it's not. You got it booking right. Booking.com. Booking dot, yeah. We know those moments in life, right? Please don't let me go back to Monday. In fact, what I think is sometimes has that ever happened here. I've been in worship with you guys for a while, but have you ever just left with some really good mojo? Has it ever happened, even a glimmer, just a little bit? And, and I love that. I love how God can do this work inside of me where I was in a funk and then I'm fine. You know? 
just because I got around and I contemplated the glory of God. But the question is, can we just stay here? And I, am I going to keep preaching, you know, for like the next five hours? The answer is, no! Can't do it. You have to go into Monday and Tuesday and every other day. So how do we then escape the drama? Well, this is what I think we should do. We can't stay in worship, but you can take worship with you, can't you? And that's what we need to continue to do. We need to continue to pause and contemplate the glory of God whenever the drama comes. Take whatever it is, that five-minute break you get at work, that study hall during class, that, that bus trip to the game. I don't know what it looks like in your schedule, but you've got to take the worship with you. You've got to keep contemplating who God is and what he's done. Because peace isn't over circumstances. It's over certainty in Christ. May he bless you and give you peace. Amen. Please stand.